There was a hard-nosed game played by played by uh, two teams well prepared, and uh, both goalie was phenomenal tonight. And uh, we lost a battle in front of the net, obviously, on the winning goal. But uh, I'm I'm pleased with our team effort. Jack Edwards, brought to you by Norfolk Power Equipment and 495 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. I don't know, it makes me feel kind of lean, mean, and bluesy. My Ness and colleague Jack Edwards joins us on the AT&T Hotline. Hello, Jack. You know, Dale, I'm going to sound like I'm a sycophant for you, but I have to agree with virtually everything you've been saying about the Bruins. And, you know, we just got to get Holly back off the edge of the ledge there. I'm a little worried about him. I'm ready. I'm ready, Jack. (laughs) I've been told that you're you're uh, going to bring the ruckus here during this segment, and you're gonna you're gonna teach me, and you're gonna humble me, and silence no, me, and all kinds of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it won't so much be in your face. I'm just trying to remind you to to give this series the eye test. And you know, going into this thing, we thought, at least I thought, it was going to be a seven game series. My colleague, Mr. Brickley, thought it was going to go six. Uh, and your colleague, and, Mr. Arnold, thought it was going to go five. We keep going well, down here. And 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 I respect his judgment as well. But here's the point. These two teams um, happen to be a, a nightmare matchup for the Boston Bruins. You know, they got past Detroit uh, mostly because the Bruins were thoroughly a better team due to Detroit's injuries. Detroit wasn't close to 100%. You know, there's no whining on Detroit's part. They didn't make any excuses, but they could not compete with the Bruins, and the Bruins overpowered them in five. So then they get a team that also plays a kind of quick and puck possession style and uh, has guys who really can finish in the Montreal Canadiens. And the Canadiens are playing extremely good defense. How few odd man rushes have the, got, have the Bruins gotten in the first four games? You know, what do you think, Dale? Two? Three? Yeah, not you know? many. You know, it, it's, it's amazing how good Andre Markov is when he's healthy. Uh, the guy hasn't really been healthy for – I don't know, two of the past three seasons. But he was healthy this year. He's playing at the top of his game right now. He even makes Yemlin look good. And Yemlin's kind of a wild man. goes around the rank hitting people. but uh, and, and sometimes very effectively, but uh, usually makes mistakes. But Markoff has been so steady. There have always been numbers back for Montreal. You combine that with the brain freezes the Bruins were uh, uh, putting on themselves, and the opportunism and, and the ability to score that Montreal has throughout its lineup, and uh, that's, that's not a good matchup for the Bruins. So the eye test is this. Who's carrying more of the play? And for me, even though the Bruins haven't had an incredible number of scoring chances, they've had more of the puck, and they've had it more in Montreal's end of the ice than Montreal has had it in Boston's end of the ice. The difference being that the Bruins have had some tremendous breakdowns that have allowed a lot of breakaways. And, uh, you know, those Boston posts at the other end, those shots might as well be in the upper deck. Those are missed shots. So don't count those, and those don't really matter. But uh, to me, the the eye test says that the deeper this series goes, the more it begins to resemble the 10th, 11th, and 12th rounds of a heavyweight bout where you really feel the presence of the stronger fighter. And there's no doubt in my mind that the Bruins are the stronger fighter. It's not to say 
It's not to say that Montreal is incapable of winning this series. The Canadians absolutely are capable of winning this series because Carey Price has never been better, and they're an opportunistic team that plays structured defense. But uh, it's it's going to be an upset if that happens. All right, now, just to follow up, now you, you use the analogy of the last three rounds of, the, of a heavyweight fight. So in this fight so far, have you seen that the favorite, have you seen Floyd Mayweather or have you seen uh, two pretty comparable fighters? Or, or do you go with the puck possession and say, hey, based on the puck possession and the Bruins uh, in the Montreal end, I just see the Bruins being the better team? I see a really good match here. I, I see a team uh, that gives the Bruins lots of problems because of the personnel matchups and because it finally has learned how to play structured defense and, and play well. That said, I still see the Bruins as a stronger team from top to bottom. And if you consider that the David Krejci line has done almost nothing in this series, it, it can't get much worse. They have to get better. And last night Krejci told us in the postgame on Nesson that it was baby steps last night, that he sees a little bit of improvement, but he needs his line to play a lot better. And maybe it's the first time in David Krejci's career having led the NHL playoffs and scoring two of the previous three seasons, that he feels pressure to produce. Because each of the times that he did lead the playoffs in scoring, people were not really saying, well, you know, Krejci's an awesome playoff player and he always produces for Boston. He ended up at the top of the heap because he was totally buying into that team thing and, and the bounces were going his way and he was setting up his teammates and playing wonderful hockey. Maybe he's thinking about it a little bit too much. You'd like to see more from Lucic. You'd like to see more from Aginla, although Aginla had a crucial hit on Pacioretty last night that kind of took Pacioretty away from the game forever. And, uh, and that helped. But this line can do more, and one would think it's going to do more in the final two or three games of this series. I really wanted to see more out of Tuka Rask, and last night I finally did. And I heard you talking about that earlier, and, and you're absolutely right. Tuca was meh in the first three games. He wasn't awful. He wasn't great. He was not as good as people thought he was going to be. And one of the things I really enjoyed was Tuca being so frank about his own performance after game one that he said that Price was the better goalie, which was true, which you're not used to hearing from a lot of NHL goalies who – kind of hide behind excuses and bad bounces and blame it on luck and those kinds of things or bad lights as Tim Thomas used to do at Madison Square Garden. But uh, Tuca was very frank in his assessment of himself, much as Krejci has been frank in his assessment of himself. You like that account- that accountability, and you get the feeling it means a lot to the guys in the rest of the room, that they know that this guy expects more of himself, and you can probably count on him to produce better. When I look at uh, Game 5 tomorrow with the TD Garden, uh, I, I, I'm guessing and I'm expecting that the Bruins will begin like they began last night, which was much more committed physically, much more involved, m- initiating contact more, because in Game 3, and I didn't think this was even possible, I thought the Canadians were by far the more physical of the two teams. Yeah, the Bruins looked oddly out of sync in Game 3, and they got almost no second chances. Uh, Price didn't yield a whole lot of rebounds. He did a terrific job of steering them away. But whatever came back in front, the Canadians had two players closer to the puck than the nearest Boston player. Last night, we finally saw the Bruins start to get a few second chances. 
they've got to do that. They've got to get to the middle, and they've got to disrupt Montreal's defensive structure. They've got to wreak some havoc. And as Brick talked about, and we were talking about, if they have to take a two-minute penalty, then they're going to have to kill off the penalty. That's the price they're going to have to pay. But to back off from that edge that gives them their robustness as a team would be a huge mistake. And, you know, I just want to – this is a non-sequitur, but I want to add this because – I heard you guys talking about this with Tom E. Curran earlier. Yes. I, I disagree that Matt Fraser's goal was a random event. It was not a random event. The reason the Bruins acquired him from Dallas is this kid's been a really clutch scorer since he was in junior hockey and probably all the way back to Pee Wee and, and, uh, and, and uh, you know, might hockey all the way back to when he was just a little tiny kid. He's got a scoring touch. He's got a nose for the goal, and he was lighting it up in the Calder Cup playoffs. And Peter Shirelli saw that with his own eyes, and he said, that's a guy we can use, and this is what we need. We need to inject a guy who can score, who's also learned his second time down to the AHL, that he's got to improve other parts of his game. So, you know, full marks to Shirelli and full marks to the Bruins development staff for getting that guy ready to play because he was ready for his moment. How, how do you feel P.K. Subban has looked in this series? He's matured a lot, and I cannot help but think that Josh Georges has had a tremendous influence on him. Josh Georges is one of those guys who just goes about his job. He's a Gary Doak, Gary Galley type of guy who uh, does an excellent job, never will get in the headlines, never will even be mentioned in a, in a Hall of Fame conversation because he's just not that quality of a player. But the Canadians would have a hard time living without him. And when he was getting over his knee injury, uh, they were a much lesser team, both on the ice and in the room, for not having had him. Uh, maybe it's not uh, just the influence of Josh George's, but P.K. Subban has grown up a lot. He still has a ways to go. But what a fabulous athlete. What an incredible impact player he is. He's a game changer, and he lights up that crowd in Montreal as no player I've seen play in that particular building. LaFleur would do it. Cornway would do it in the forum. But since they moved to Bell Center, in my experience personally, I've never seen a player elicit the crowd reaction that he gets when he starts winding it up out of his defensive zone. He gets 21,000 people screaming on their feet right away. He had one shot on goal in game three, and it was the one he put in the back of the net. Uh, I didn't look at the, at the final sheet from last night. Uh, I'm not sure that he had a, a whole lot of shots last night. And again, I think the Bruins have made the adjustments, trying to get bodies out to him and take away his shooting lanes a little bit. Yeah, you talked about earlier how um, you thought that Claude Julian had outcoached Michelle Terry, and I'm in full agreement with that. Uh, Claude is one of the best coaches of his era at making adjustments during a series. And whether it's a little tweak uh, in personnel, uh, putting a guy like Fraser in and saying, you know, second shift to sudden death in a game we've got to win, go ahead out there. Or if it is uh, in the defensive zone, it seems the Bruins wingers are coming a little bit deeper than they did all regular season and in the first round against Detroit and giving the defenseman a little bit earlier option. Some teams you don't do that against, but against Montreal, it almost seems necessary. But uh, taking Subban away as as powerful a weapon is part of that adjustment process, and the Bruins seem to have done that. It's not to say that Subban himself cannot make another adjustment, 
But that's what makes the playoffs so incredibly exciting. You know, one team raises the bar, and then the other team either clears it or fails. And then, you know, the vanquished team goes on vacation, and the winners move on. And that's that's what we're going to find out in the next three games. But to me, it's the cumulative best of seven that's going to end up adding up for the Bruins. I, you know, I still see Montreal winning one of these last three games, and uh, you know, I, I take it's going seven. It's going to be a heart attack finish to this series, but I, I see the Bruins prevailing in seven. Jack, we appreciate the time as always. I'll see you at the rink tomorrow. All right, tomorrow. Jack. Thanks for the knowledge, man. Bye, appreciate Jack. it. You're down off the ledge there, Michael? No. <laughs> no, I'm not. He's creeped closer to but, the, but to the listen, edge. Hey, listen, I'm, I'm not off the ledge, but at least I have some good listening material as I'm on the ledge. <laughs> so I appreciate you for that. <laughs> All right. Talk to you soon. See yeah. you, Jack. Jack Edwards joining us. Uh, Jack is brought to you by Norfolk Power Equipment and 495 Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. 617-779-7937 is the telephone number. The AT&T text line is 37937. We are right back to your calls. Seconds from now, Sports Radio WEI.